So if the meeting, if it says it's being live streamed, I don't think we should argue with it. <laughs> Always looking for an argument, are you? I'm not. No, I'm saying we shouldn't argue with it if it says it's no. being live streamed. It's the new you. Um, so uh, I guess we should start. Okay. I also have uh, Dan Duran, Fred, has prepared a um, a little, I don't know what you'd call this, Dan. Interstitial? Yeah. Interpistol? Welcome to Dan's Junk. So Dan's prepared something, Fred, that if I need to go have a whiz during the show, then he's yeah. given me something I should play while okay. I'm peeing. Okay, Dan. Right. Okay, so should it come up? Then you've got uh, you, you've got a. I've got a it fallback. ready. You got a fallback plan. All right. The following episode of no, that's not what I want to play. I want to play this. Hang on, Dan. Stand by. Humble and Fred. Humble and Fred. Humble and Fred. The thing that makes us really different is how we think. Humble and Fred. What we believe is important. Humble and Fred. Humble and Fred. The ways we look at life. Humble and Fred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey kids, it's Humble and Fred. This back to home base episode of Humble and Fred is coming to you live from home bases in Brampton and Toronto. And is brought to you by GigSky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Canna Cabana, and GoDaddy. And now here are two men who have stuck their toes in two different oceans while the sun beamed happiness into their souls and have returned refreshed and yet still irritated. It's Humble and Fred. That's about it. <laughs> That's right. Still irritated over, you know, stuff. Although, <laughs> what? No, like me yesterday, you know, a wonderful month away. I enjoyed every minute of it. But there I find myself yesterday about 5 o'clock lined up at the Ambassador Bridge wondering why my line is moving slower than everyone else's. Well, because they know you're in it. That's and it really I'm started saying. to aggravate me. Because yeah. I said to my wife at one point, that line, three cars have gone through. Well, the one in front of us is still there. Yeah. And, of course, she comes back with, nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Why do you care? Just relax. <laughs> no big deal. What's it going to be, another 10 minutes? Said, yeah, but it doesn't make sense. Looking frightened. Yeah. Looking away. Trying not to. Just waiting for the next outburst. Just bracing for it. Oh. I thought you. Were, I thought Dahl was going to say, uh, what, was a month away not long enough, Fred, to maybe just take a bit of the edge off? Uh, yeah, although it was odd. Like, why can one person process people so much quicker than the the, than the next? I no. Don't they have a plan? Don't oh. they have a standard? Yeah, Dan isn't our other friend uh, Lummy. What's his theory? Is it is, is is his the one whose theory is all people are stupid, or is that mine? Uh, yeah. <laughs> this could be one. No, could no, be no, one no, of, no. Is that yours? Are you all people are stupid? No, that was Geats. Geats, all people are stupid. Yeah. All right. Why did that happen, Geats? Because people are stupid. Because people are stupid. <laughs> but he's right. People are stupid. Anyway, were we're back. Greeted, were, were you greeted uh, courteously and uh, to your standards uh, returning to the country? Oh, yeah. It was great. Uh, yeah. Are you talking to me or him? Well, I guess both of you. Well, the only irritation... I had so many irritations, but one of the big ones was I go to all the trouble of becoming a Nexus mm-hmm. participant, 
and I get in after an arduous flight from Palm Springs, waiting an hour, almost an hour to get my bags. That's another thing I couldn't understand. But uh, the Nexus machines were down. And I'm like, well, why do I even bother? I'm not going here with all these common people. And where are my Nexus people at? Anyway. So what happened? I had to go through the regular place where I had to go to the regular machine where they do that thing where the, the, I'm not sure if anyone has done this recently, where the automated machine where the picture comes up and it rises up to meet your eyes and you never know when it's, do you know what I'm talking about at all? No, I haven't used mine yet. I'm a Nexus Okay, No, I'm just just going through air travel. It's not just Nexus. When you go through the border, immigration services. Oh, right. You put your passport in the machine, and the machine has an eye scanner. Yes. (laughs) Dan, do you know what we're talking about? No, I don't remember this. uh, Is your your panel frozen? (laughs) I haven't haven't flown in over two years, Howard, so I... Well, okay. yeah, but you, you and it doesn't matter anyway that that process was uh, wasn't available to us Nexus people so I didn't went, went the regular people yeah I went uh, I, we had our Nexus cards and uh, but even land like with Nexus don't they still want to see proof of vaccination and stuff like that yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah it's no big deal Dan um, how is I mean I know we're going to let you go and you're going to come back at the end of the show but I mean I don't want people who are tuning in wondering I don't want them to have to wait 90 minutes what is or what's the status of your snow carvings of your snow car <laughs> they pretty much melted into the lake Did they? there's one there's one mound which is the only uh, non-level thing on the entire lake right now the the, the weather yesterday just totally melted the uh, the uh, the lake when there was like three or five inches of water at one point on top of the ice so the entire lake and then that wind was something else so yeah driving uh, up through uh ohio and michigan the wind wasn't that bad yesterday and by the time we got to ontario it it had uh died down but there you want to talk about another irritant just the uh the jet stream how we're just to the north of you know, a jet stream, like, you know, like even in Ohio, right? Like it's going to be spring in the next couple of weeks, like in the sixties and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's like not it going to be that. hold down there so much earlier than yeah. here. Just, just like four or five hours in a car. I know. Cause I was talking to neighbor John about that. He goes there all the time and he goes, yeah, you know, by mid March, like when he goes to like Youngstown, Ohio, it's like in the sixties and. And, and we had that. Brought, I don't know if you remember this. Last March, we had a, an unusually warm. Did we? Yeah, because golf season arrived really early here last year. But <clears throat> yeah, I know we were golfing the first week of April last year. Easily, but the, you know. The, well, that was before they lake. shut it down because of the pandemic. You heard about that, right? Yeah. yeah. But these <laughs> these lakes, like Erie and and. Uh, Oh, they're fabulous. They affect it. You know, they're called the uh, Great Lakes. You heard about that? Yeah, I know. They're irritating. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is it your phrase that the wind can ruin a day? Is that you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Wind can ruin a day. Wind can ruin a day. So Friday in the Coachella Valley, where I've lived for the last month, surrounded by mountains, 
It was so, it was for the, I think the second or third time since I was there, there was a wind warning in effect. And the wind on Friday in Palm Springs was very similar to the wind here yesterday afternoon, which was spooky. You weren't, you weren't, what time did you get back in the city? You said nine o'clock? Yeah, like I crossed the border at about 5.30. Okay. So, Dan, yesterday here in the uh, southern Ontario area, that wind was so weirdly warm. Like, it was just almost um, a bit weird. Was it not like that in Peterborough where you go outside and you're expecting winter? And it was almost, it was 20 degrees here at some point yesterday afternoon. Oh, it was really, it was weird because the uh, overnight last night, not like this, the night before last, the temperature increased, uh, denotes an unusual temperature trend. And uh, by the morning in Toronto, it was like seven degrees uh, after it had been cold the previous day, got up to 16 in Toronto yesterday. And then wow. the temperature started to fall later on. The wind winds kind of course. died down around uh, five o'clock or so. Of course, they started to drop. Hummel and Fred were returning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it wasn't. But I'm. What I guess the point I'm trying to make, if I'm even trying to make a point, which is it wasn't that it was so windy. It was that it was so warm and windy. Uh-huh. And and also I would just say because we I want to talk about what it was like to to live there for a month, but. I know early on in Florida, it wasn't so warm for you. The first week you were there was in sort of the mid-teens. Mm-hmm. And then it warmed up and it was great. But I can tell you from having the, the, a different type of weather for a month, when it's 22 every day or 25 every day, then all of a sudden it's 10. I, I know people are going to go, oh, whatever, cry me a river. But it gets, it, it felt cold. We tur- I turned the furnace on. Several nights where it was cold in the house mm-hmm. because it's 10 or 12 degrees overnight. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't point? know. I don't know. I can't remember how I started, what the point was. Oh, just that it, you know, it can feel cold even when it's 10 or 12 degrees. Well, something I'll say about Panama City Beach, the first, um, there, here's the word aggravating again. The first couple of days were mid-teens, so it was a bit aggravating sunny. But, you know, you got to keep your perspective like, okay, it's mid-teens and sunny. It's like if this was a day in, in March in Toronto, we'd be all be out in our shorts. We'd be so wearing our cargo shorts, yes. But, you know, there, there's a lot of people, my wife including, uh, included, who can't really take the heat anymore for whatever reason. Man, Panama City Beach is a pretty cool place for that. Yeah. It was a lot like San Miguel de, de Allende in Mexico. Cool mornings, but just beautiful, warm sunshine and no humidity all day long. Yeah. Like, just... Really nice weather. In a couple of days, when it got to 26 and 27, it was almost like, boy, it's now it's getting uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. it does have a nice climate if you don't want that punishing heat all the time. Well, maybe that's my point. That um, well, I don't even know what my point is. <laughs> you, you spout words. Well, I didn't know. I, I, for a point. I, I, I was just saying some stuff, trying to come up with a point, which is it can be cold when it's 10 degrees. Sure. But you're right. There were many mornings I'd go, okay, if it were this temperature at home, we'd all be just excited. That being said, the most perfect climate outside of the wind that I've experienced for extent is is where I was. Mm -hmm. Because it typically is about 22 degrees by, you know, at 8 o'clock in the morning, you're wearing a a warm-up jacket. By 10 o'clock, it's... It's the most, it's the perfect temperature for golf. And there were a couple of days when it got 
close to 90 or whatever that is in, in Celsius. And it was. It's it's a bit punishing. Uh, Dan, we're going to let you go. Thank you very much for your service to this uh, to this program. All right. Uh, see later, you later in the show. Well, yeah, we're going to see you later with some news. And... Um, I think maybe today we should leave your your penis alone because I think people have had enough of it. Okay. I mean, unless well, you've got a... <laughs> they're sending it to the Ukraine <laughs> to do battle. That's right. That's <laughs> oh, funny. Dan's wiener is in the Ukraine. <laughs> he's, he's on the front lines. We, we shouldn't make jokes about that. Well, well. <laughs> I had to. Oh, I know. I said to Dan, I was talking to Dan last night. I said, you know. It's like a big battering ram. <laughs> come out, come out of there. It's like, no, it's like a Trojan horse. <laughs> it's a Trojan horse and all, everyone <laughs> hides. <laughs> everyone <laughs> hides in it. And they're like, what uh, is that? Is that Dan Duran's wiener? <laughs> what? Wait a minute. There's a bunch of Ukrainians in it. <laughs> That's where I was talking to Dan last night. <laughs> <laughs> Putin's going to make that one of the conditions. <laughs> you got to keep that out of this country. That's right. It's making the Russians look bad. Um, I was talking to Daniel last night, and I said, you know, and this goes back to a show I did at, you came to see me. I was at, the, the, the show took place at a Legion or something. Remember that in Mississauga, you came to see me? Yes. And um, I was talking about, you know, the Legion being, you know, in memory or, you know, the, the, the men and women that fought in the war. And I said to Dan, I said, right. you know, when I think about the 20-somethings that fought in world wars gone by, you know, World War One and Two, the Korean War, Vietnam, all these kids that went to war were 19, 20, and 21. You know, there were 20-somethings. And I said, what worries me now is our 20-somethings suck. <laughs> so they do. And not, and, and not in, like, so would, so would we at 20-something. But then I said to Dan, what gives me hope is that I'm sure the Russian 20-somethings, they also suck. They don't want to be there. They want to be on their phones, you know? They want to be watching TikTok videos. I know. It's the whole thing, it's just so depressing. Oh, yeah. Well, we can talk about that. But first, let's let Dan go. Okay. Dan, thanks very much. Yeah. All right. Later in the show. All right. Also on the show today, Bill Brio will be here. And some interesting television stuff from Bill, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk uh, about Health Gauge with our buddy Tim Daniels in Florence. But also Tim, who does business on a global level. Like he's got businesses all over the world. It'll be interesting to see. From his perspective, living in Italy, working in Canada, the States, Australia, Europe. He's got, like I said, a couple of different businesses. Because I was reading this morning before you came on with me, just in looking at, at the global marketplace. And uh, you want to talk about depressing, you know. It's not good for it's not good for a lot of reasons, obviously not the least of which the people of the Ukraine, but for the rest of the globe, it's not good for, you know, everything from finances to the the price of gas and wheat, which is about to go through the roof. It just shows us, well, gas, like I couldn't believe it, driving along the 401, 183, 184. What did you pay? What did you pay in Florida? Because I'll tell you the last, my last fill up in Palm Springs, I'll tell you the number, it was crazy. 
Uh, the high three dollars, like three eighty, three ninety. Oh yeah, seventy nine. Yeah, I yeah. paid four. I think I paid four fifty, four seventy premium. That was for the lowest grade at the place I filled up before. I I, I think it was a, a Circle K, and uh, premium was five dollars a gallon. Uh, I know it's a concern. So at a dollar, say eighty five, that's what that's over seven dollars a gallon here in Canada. I would imagine. Right? I, I, I can't do by the math. Four, roughly, it's like you talk. That's that's punishing on so many levels. Oh yeah. And, you know, I'm still, and I I keep saying, like, when it, I haven't heard the prime minister address that yet. I'd like to hear him. Um, I know through COVID it cost the government a lot of money and CERB and all those other programs, but maybe relax the gas taxes which are so over the top ridiculous in this country maybe that's a start because Howard there's people it's 30 and 40 dollars more a fill up and I know a car is a luxury but it's also a necessity for many yeah it's not a luxury unless it's a luxury car if you have to get somewhere for your job and your life it's not a luxury Um, are you is that is that true the math is seven dollars a gallon here well, what? There's like four liters to a gallon. Multiply four times yeah. one eighty-five, so that's four, three, seven, yeah, seven, ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's roughly. I mean it's in the seven. Yeah, Jesus. So uh, that's uh, you know we're. I just feel bad because here we are. We're we're at a point in life where we, I don't have to drive a lot and. It's just the two of us. I just the two of us. Um, and by the way, when he says just the two of us, he means him and Delise. He doesn't mean him and me. Nah, I just, you know, because my daughter's in her 30s and your kids are young and trying to build a life. And it's just, it is different than when we were, than yeah. when we were that age. Well, because we didn't the, have. The ratios are just all out of whack now. I mean, they are. I mean, I could, you know, we could have a discussion about how things aren't different, but they are different in that, you know, I wanted to have this as part of a larger discussion about the last couple of years, because this now is a, is uh, maybe not the exact day, but we're, we're around the two year mark since you and I have ever done a show in the same mm-hmm. proximity. This is pandemic has been two years now of our lives I know it's not my joke, but a lot of people think, you know, it feels like it's been 10 years mm-hmm. because on the heels of Trump, we had the pandemic on the heels of the pandemic. We had more pandemic. And then, mm-hmm. you know, now we've had this. I don't even know. Is it a war? Are we is it an incursion? Are we at war? Do we do feel like we're at war with Russia again now? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, All it's a I lot of fatigue is, is my point. Just shows how precarious everything is yes how vulnerable, how vulnerable we all are i mean when they talk i don't know how when are we going to get into this like you know that right at the no fly zone where you know people are demanding the no fly zone of the ukrainians and other people in the surrounding areas but that happens and we're we're talking full tilt brother yeah like, well i know and 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 i'm selfish I, i'm sorry i'm thinking of two little kids in georgetown right now i don't want a world war and I hate what's going on in Ukraine, but I don't want a world war. I'm sorry. Because uh, where's that going to lead? One thing leads to another. Well, I know. And that's what, that, that's how I started this, by saying that the gas, the price of wheat, all of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm, again, I, I'd written this down that 
I think what what we are all feeling is a is a fatigue of caring or having to have opinions. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, I I know we, you know we joke about how we get aggravated. You do, I do. But to be honest with you, I'm I'm getting tired of having to have an opinion about everything. Because yeah, I, I, do you know what I mean? And maybe that's not mm-hmm. the. It's just that on the heels of Trump, the pandemic, and and now this, it's like, oh, am I supposed to, what else am I supposed to care about? Like, when, when do we get a, because it, it's almost like we haven't had a break now, a worldwide break in a while, and I think what's going to happen, oh, and then, the, of course, the convoy, and, but I think people are, there's, there's a fatigue, and the problem with being fatigued is it leads to people going, okay, fine, just give them what they want. I just don't want to have a world war. What's bothered me through this is the evil that is around us. Oh, yeah. That's bubbled to the surface. I mean, even people we know around us, you think, wow, there's an evil-hearted person, and I didn't know it. You know, there's, you know, even, I mean, you talk about Tucker Carlson, you know, he looks like such an asshole now, defending Putin two weeks ago. The guy oh, I know, I know. Now, slaughtering children. Yeah. But even other people... And, well, by you know, the way, his latest, Tucker Carlson's latest thing, and I was I have some audio if you want, but Tucker Carlson's latest, the latest thing is he's blaming Kamala Harris for not letting right. him know it was serious enough. No, I know. <laughs> so, like, it's just pathetic. It's so dumb. And then, uh, other people I know, we know, and then you look and, you know, you want to call Justin Trudeau the crime minister and what a horrible guy he is, but I don't see any real comment on Putin. And then I sent you that article about, you know, Russian Orthodox, the religion. Yeah. The, the type of Christianity he's behind, and it's all about squashing uh, gay people, colored oh, yeah. people, right? Yeah, and not big on Jews either. Not big on Jews. And I'm thinking, you know what? That's in the heart of these people that I know. Because at this point, if you're not denouncing Putin, if you find some horrible things wrong with Justin Trudeau, but you're giving Putin and Trump a pass, uh, that's scary stuff. Yeah. And, and we, there, and there, I know there's more. Mean. There's more of that than you'd care to know. Well, yeah, and, and I know who you're referring to, and I know what you're referring to, and it's been part of our conversation the last mm-hmm. couple of uh, weeks, and uh, just before we broke for our our last little break. Um, let's get to all this Putin stuff yeah. in, a, in a bit, because I, I did want to talk a little bit, if we can, mm-hmm. uh, before our first guest about what your experience was like because I wanted to share with you my experience of doing the show and doing what we did you know in Florida remotely being away for the month I know it's not new for you because two years ago when all this happened you know I went to the hospital etc but I came back I'd forgotten this I came back and did the show on my own here for a while before you came back so you had been away doing the show a little bit in Mexico a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, not much. Not like this. No. Yeah. So what was your experience like doing it there? Was it okay Nothing. for you? Yeah, felt okay? Well, yeah, the place I had had a little room with a nice desk and, you know, it was like set up like an office and you hit it. Um, you know, I've been sitting here for the past two years, so I just had this set up down there. So mm-hmm. it really... Absolutely, oh, like no real difference to me. It's I just happen to be sitting in a different chair in a different room, but the whole system and how we handled the show just didn't change on any level for me. Other than I, it was a couple couple of hours later than we normally. <laughs> That's do. right. For me, it was earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I tell you, because it was my first time doing it. Obviously, I've done remote shows and, and such over the years, but it was my first time doing it in that situation. And I'll tell you a couple things. Um, I want to do it again. I really enjoyed it. I, f- I found the show part fine. No difference. You know, I had basically my same setup there. You know, I didn't have a second monitor, but that was more because of not being able to get it to work with my computer. But mm-hmm. I, I found the biggest difference for me was the business part. Like, normally after the show, I spend some part of my day you know, dealing with some clients or prospecting clients or whatever. And I found, and, I, and the only reason I bring this up is because it was, it was fine being on the radio or doing the podcast show with you. But then when it was over, I was kind of like, okay, am I on vacation now? Like the work part on the air was different than my, my work part off the air. Because once the show was over, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I should just go golfing. Do you know, I, I, I found that part a bit odd. Like, I found it hard to keep my head thinking about client prospecting when it was 22 degrees and I could wear shorts and go for a swim. You know what I mean? But that was really the only thing I noticed, that the, my head wasn't in the business part maybe the same degree it will be today being back in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but as you know, when you run a business, you're never really on holidays. Because mm-hmm. you know, even those weeks we weren't working, there's you know, oh, yeah. day-to-day, there's day-to-day stuff, same with me, that I have to look at and respond to. And uh, Yeah, it, it is. It's a, different, it's a different vibe, but that changes with... Uh, with time the more you do it the more you adjust yeah Uh, and you know i started by saying i would definitely do it again and i can tell you i feel so grateful to have had that place Mm -hmm. i mentioned the uh, gentleman jason and uh he i mean i i think about what it cost me i mean it's not it's not cheap to do what we did it's not where you guys were and you know Mm -hmm. living in america for the month isn't cheap But having a you know someone give you their place and and I just love the area. I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't know if I can afford to rent a place there. There are cheaper places to spend a month away in the winter than Palm Springs, California. Well, plus you don't need a whole house. No, you know what I mean. Yeah, that was a whole house with a pool and everything. I mean, if you and what did you have? You had a, a condo. No, we had this house like a block and a half off the beach, the great part of the beach, the sort of uh, nature part of the beach. <clears throat> All the big high-rise condos were a couple of miles away or whatever. Oh, uh, no, it was fantastic. A little grocery store at the end of the street, and um, it was a house just a couple of years old, and it had three bedrooms and a nice little patio out the side and a barbecue, and, you know, it was great for walking and moments from the beach and it was just and you were you you shared it with delisa's brother and his wife yes mm-hmm. what's that yeah. like living with people for a month it was it was great like because how like i uh, clyde and i golfed a lot about eight times over the 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 uh the couple of weeks and i walked a lot and delise walked you know with me a lot 
and they did, went off and did their thing, and uh, yeah, it was good. And we made meals together, which was fun, and went out. And how do you decide, like, who, who, okay, are we going to cook tonight, and who's going to buy the food, and who bought the food last time, and... No. Well, here's what you do. Every time you buy something for the group, yeah. you, si- you sign the receipt and put it in a drawer. Uh-huh. And, at the end of, and at the end of the week, you just add it up and see how it comes out. Very simple. Very nice. And uh, the, the key part, too, is I like to walk a lot. I like to be on the beach more than Delise and walk. When she had somebody to hang out with, that was pretty good, too, because, you know, there's a lots of stores in Florida that they like to walk through, and I don't. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> so, um, they did, and uh, we didn't, and that was great. Yeah, like, that is to, great. To me, a great, a great day was golf course off at 2.30, go sit on a patio, look at the ocean, have a dozen oysters, and a nice, nice IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of IPA, I found a couple of great... Just really, really good non-alcoholic beers. Mm-hmm. And one, it also has a, an alcoholic um, version. It's called Lagunitas. L-A-G-U-N-I-T-A-S. So good. Mm-hmm. You heard of it? Well, the regular one on uh, Saturday night, Elizabeth Town, uh, Kentucky, where yeah. we stayed overnight. Uh to get our, give ourselves a little break with the drive, uh, that's what I had with dinner. I'm telling you, man. Mm-hmm. Well, I, again, I don't know what the alcoholic version tastes like because I don't imbibe on the alcohol, Fred. But I will say this. That non-alcoholic version of that beer, there were a couple others that I had over the, the course of the month. But that was one of the best I've ever had. Like I, and I was going to say to you, I, I, I know I've said it before, but I could give you that beer. There's no way you would know. It doesn't have any of that weird non-alcoholic beer sweetness and whatever. There's no way you could tell that was non-alcoholic. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Well, the oysters I had too in that area were the best I have ever had. Um, Seriously. Oh, just Howard, so flavorful. You know, there's a place we visited one day called Apalachicola or something, and and that's supposed to be the best place in the world for oysters. Of course, that's what they claim. Anyway, I went there one day, and I ordered the oysters, and they were just outstanding. And then while I'm there, I'm, I, I was Googling about these oysters and found out that they, they had closed the beds three or four years ago, and they had been farming them because... You know, it's just a fascinating story. Atlanta uses that Apalachicola River or whatever for their water supply. And it made the water in the river go down, which allowed more salt to get into the beds, which affected the life of the oysters. It was a a fascinating story. So they're trying to bring the beds back, but they've been farming them. In the odd time, they allow certain beds to open. Anyway, long and the short of it. Oh, my God, the oysters were good. And then I had them up in the panhandle closer to Panama City and then over in Destin. Same thing. They all sort of get them from the same area. And I can't even explain it, but... Is it because it there's a, a certain saltiness to them? Is there... Yeah. yeah. And what do they cost for 12 oysters? You're talking 17, 18 U.S. for a dozen now. Wow. It's not bad. And that's a whole other thing. You know, yeah. that buddy of ours, Jay Mack, who lives in California or something, is taking issue with some of the comments we were making about the prices. I'm telling you, Florida's expensive. Groceries? I'm yeah. sorry. I, I came home and I was in a Sobeys last night and I did a quick comparison. We've got, you know, 
we're doing all right up here when it comes to groceries. It was yeah, crazy I couldn't give you there. any comparables. I'll just tell you, I, I didn't eat out as much maybe as you did. Mm-hmm. Um, although we went to a couple places locally that had just amazing Mexican food. Like, it's crazy there. I, you know, I lived mm-hmm. in California, but so long ago I'd forgotten just how good that cuisine is when you're in California. But I couldn't give you any comparables other than to tell you that I shopped a lot and I went to all the different places, Trader Joe's, Ralph's, Stater Brothers. And, you know, groceries were expensive. Apples, I, had, we had, I told you, I had four apples for $8. Um, yeah, <laughs> he called you a liar. No, I know. Um, it's fine, but but I mean, yeah. what I really noticed, my biggest expense versus where you were, mm-hmm. because I, I, you know, again, I was very lucky to have my accommodations taken care of, mm-hmm. but, and this might be one of the reasons I wouldn't go back to this place. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but one of the considerations would be, it's... It's not cheap. Even the cheapest golf there, and I didn't go to any of the high-end places. I went to one high-end place, and and that was it. The rest of it was I went on this app, uh, this site called Golf Now. There's a couple different ones, but it it was just, and I would book myself into the moderately priced places, but every, like the low end of what I paid for golf was still 80 U.S., and the average was around 110 US. And believe me, that's half the price of the sort of the famous places around there. Anyway, and I golfed eight or 10 times. So that, that math adds up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And not that I don't love, you know, playing, as you know. It's just every time you spend 100 US, it's $140. And I think to mm-hmm. myself, is this a $140 golf course? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Anyway. Um, but yeah, very interesting doing the show there. I, I mean, for me, as soon as the show was over, it was, you know, we would work out, we'd go shopping, we had a pool, we would go and do sightsee, and I made a lot of dinners there. Uh, my perfect day was that, you know, we had dinner, we made dinner together every night and watched some, uh, you know, we had a great television and I was going to bed so early. I was going to bed so early. It was making me laugh. I'd be like nine fifteen. What? <laughs> I'm beat. <laughs> I, I don't think I saw 10 o'clock most days. Right. Um, Palm Springs there, which I've been a couple of times, and uh, San Miguel de Allende. San Miguel de Allende. Um, I pretty much determined I like being near the ocean, to be yeah. honest. I just like that option. You know, even on a day where it's a bit cool, just put a jacket on and just walk up the beach. You, so, you, you sort of lose your mind, and I mean that in a good way. No, I know what you, you mean. Know, you just, and, and I really do like that option. And then there was a few days, you know, I went to the Piggly Wiggly and I bought a couple of beach chairs and just parked my ass there and just look out at the ocean and an hour and a half goes by and it's like, I haven't really thought about anything in the past hour and a half and I really I just like that space it puts me in. Um, so going forward, I, I really got to make that a consideration. See, it's funny you say that because I spent a couple of days at the ocean. Yeah. We were in Santa Monica and Venice Beach. Mm-hmm. But as I was leaving on Saturday, driving to the airport, I said to myself, you know, and I love this. I love this area mm-hmm. because when you're in that valley, you, you realize you're surrounded by mountains all around you. 
Yes. And they really are. I mean, I, I, when I moved from Moose Jaw to Vancouver, and I was around the ocean and mountains. And for the first time in my life, I remember that feeling of being of that being lost in the scenery. And, mm-hmm. and you know, time can go by and you're like, it's, it's just puts you in a different spot. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, do I need the ocean? Because I love the desert. Right. Similarly, I could just sit in the backyard and, you know, every, you know, it was sort of a joke. I would have a hot tub in the afternoon and one of my fake beers while Rachel was working. And I just sit there looking at the mountains and just get lost in it. Well, the, the mountains do that for me, too. Like, I love, I love just sitting and looking in that area. Just Yeah, it's up fascinating. The, yeah, it is. It really is. It, uh-huh. It's fascinating because of uh, because the, the the light makes them it, it looks different all the time, and I was fascinated by that. How first thing in the morning it has a a different hue to it. Later in the afternoon, some of the larger mountains in the distance almost look like clouds. They're so big, and and I I said to Rachel, I said I I always thought I'd want the ocean, I'd want a, a body of water, but I could see myself hanging out in the desert because it. It's a oh, yeah. different feeling, you know. Again, that area, I loved it. I just don't know if it's financially the... like Because I would like to do this for a couple months. This is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. I would like to... You know, I get why guys like the Sherpa and those and friends of ours that have gone have started going away for months on on end mm-hmm. because really you'd like to get out of here in january i know we sound like the retirement show but you'd kind of like to get out of here in january and remember folks we're in our 60s we i don't even know what we're doing <laughs> like seriously we're 127 years old but i was going to say so i'd like to be gone for january and february or mid january to mid march mm-hmm. and the problem with doing it there is that's a lot of, it's a big whack of dough well i listen if i hadn't if it hadn't have been for covid and a nervous wife um i would have been in mexico yeah for that reason i would have been no doubt about it even though that mexico. mexican option doesn't have the ocean attached to it no, no. The last time I went to Mexico, it did. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of options in Mexico. You can either go San Miguel, Central Mountains, or the last time I was there, it was uh, Playa del Carmen. Oh, that's where right. You were there, right, right, right. You know, the ocean was a yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk. No, I, so, I, I'm sorry. When I, whenever you say Mexico, I just think of you being in uh, San Miguel, which is, uh, by the way, going to be something I'm going to look at. Just again, because it's mountains, it's not as expensive. I know I've looked at a few places already that are, you know, fairly reasonable to rent for the month. You can also, you know, go and spend a week at the ocean while you're there mm-hmm. you know but again the although we know people there but i think the gulf's pretty pricey there too <laughs> no it's, it is and that's part of the problem too is that you know i want to be able to to golf i i, I although ironically you golf similar same amount as me i didn't golf very much the first couple of weeks i was there because rachel was there and i didn't want to just leave her in the house and you know we didn't have somebody for her to play with so you know I didn't well, want to was, go for six hours. I uh, we found this great place. I only golfed at two golf courses, and the one just once, and it was a half hour drive away. And it was this one where you had to have a golf cart because the distance between the holes was just nuts. Yeah, and uh, I think it was like the seniors' rate was sixty nine bucks or something, and you had to have the cart. 
the one that the go-to for us was right there in Panama City Beach. It was called Signal Hill, 39 bucks to walk, and I just loved it. Because <laughs> walking is huge for me. I yeah. don't want to be in a car. And I, uh, I only played two it, courses it where walking yeah. was an option. Hmm? I only played two different... I played two courses yeah. where you could walk. The rest of them you can't walk because you're driving through people's... Yeah. You know, streets to go from one hole to another, and it, some the, the commutes between holes sometimes are like three and four blocks by the time you get there. Half, maybe more than half of the experience for me is walking. The walk, I just love it. And this wasn't this course wasn't too long, and it wasn't super hilly, and it was just lovely, just lovely. Yeah. The walk. And, and what, 39 bucks is what? Like, not even 50 Canadian. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could have found them. Like, I don't mind spending the money. It's just, I keep thinking to myself, okay, how, is this really worth 175 Canadian? Uh, I, did, I did find two courses where you could walk. I didn't, but you could walk those two courses. The reason being that they were completely set outside of a community. Mm-hmm. Um, one was one of the cheaper places I played. It was 80 U.S., but it was one of the most interesting places I played. I played it on, mm-hmm. I think, Wednesday or Thursday. And it's way out in the desert. That's another thing. I've never spent that much time in that in the desert vistas. It really does. It really is fascinating. The, the, kind, of, the kind of life that the desert supports. And I saw roadrunners all the time and desert mm-hmm. bunnies. But it is fascinating to me. Even a kid from the prairies. I've never spent that much time in that kind of scape. And it uh, it's different, and you know, you know, I'm just a casual golfer. Anywhere I go in the in the winter, if it's like I would not even consider less than six weeks next year. Same thing. I would want. I was supposed to be on track for two months this year. No, I know this this no, goddamn COVID thing. I got to have the golf option. I yeah. do. Like without that option, I don't know what I would do with myself day to day to day to day. Like I, I there's no way at this point in my life I can go and park myself beside a pool or a beach. No, I know. Without an option of doing something, you know. You know, for me, the inexpensive option. We got to get to Bill Brio here in a second, but the inexpensive option for me was I would just go to a driving range for a couple hours. You know, for ten bucks, you know, kill a couple hours, and Rachel would be working, and I'd come back, and then it was time for to make dinner and then go to bed. I'll tell you what else it is. It's time to know that that GoDaddy is powering small businesses like ours, Fred, and Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs for over 25 years, servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. GoDaddy, that's where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. There's no better time than now to get your ideas online with GoDaddy. You can find your 24-7, uh, you can find your domain, easily create your website, and finally bring it to life with GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support. There's the sentence. They're also there to help you every step of the way. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy. No credit card is even required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Hey, and Bill Brio is the GigSky guest of the day today. Uh, GigSky, the only worldwide mobile data service with affordable rates in over 190 countries. Download the app today for Android or iOS. Whether you're pulling up directions, looking for the coolest restaurant or bar, or posting pics on Instagram, you'll want access to cheap data, reasonable data while traveling, 
Okay, download the Gig Sky app today. Enter code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan or visit gigsky.com for more information. Okay, gigsky.com. That's right, our Gig Sky guest of the day, Bill Brio. Bill. Lots of stuff to talk about once Bill figures out uh, his microphone. There he is. is There he is. There he is. Good morning, folks. Billy. Yes, sir. How are you, man? I'm fine. Welcome back uh, to the Great White North, guys. Yeah, man. It's weird. Is it weird? Why is it weird? Um, You're, You're from here. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. I completely forgot. You know, I'm so California now. Uh, it was weird because I was just saying to Freddie, like, it was the first time, you know, we've done this as a team. I mean, this is the longest I've been away from Toronto since I moved here in 1988. This is the longest holiday I've ever had. This is the longest, you know, time away. Other than the time we got fired but i i had a full-time job within a couple of months doing something else but for for me at least it was the longest you know i and i think it's also the beginning of this phase of our lives where we're going to continue to do the show as long as we can but i think our winters will now include you know if there is a winter you know bill with the war and such um i think this uh, will be away for a couple months each winter now Maybe. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm hoping to to travel to the southern part of Brampton. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Freddie? What were you going to say? Talk, talk about a war zone. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, no, I was going to say the weirdest part for me is when you can drive to warm weather. It's just you know you can get your head, you get in a plane and you fly to warm weather. Yeah. But yeah. Like, you know, I get up Saturday morning and by Sunday afternoon. I go from like 26, 27 degrees to whatever it was yesterday, which was unseasonably warm here. But even even when I'm in like in Kentucky on Saturday, it's like 23 and 24 degrees. And it just, as I say at the beginning of the show, that whole jet stream, it's a bit aggravating that we just we're just on the wrong side of uh, of weather. That's right. The jet stream couldn't be like another 10 or 12 hours north of us. Because we'll be, you know what it's like, into May we're going, when is it going to warm up? Like, when is this thing going to turn? Although, uh, a friend of mine, Alan Pergamon, he's the TV critic for the Buffalo uh, News, and uh, he he gets away to Florida two or three times every winter. He just can't stand it because, while it's almost the same temperature, they do get more snow. Like, we are, in a way, in a little tiny bit of a banana belt here, you know. Oh, versus Buffalo, yeah. I mean, and and try and explain that to an American that Buffalo gets more snow than we do. They're like, what? Mm-hmm. Anyways, Billy, let's. We got a lot of stuff to discuss, and uh, before we talk about some of your picks, I just wanted to share something with you, just as a concept, because we're all around the same age and we're all stressed out, and and I wonder if if other people are doing this. Like I um. I haven't really been watching a lot of new programs, although I did watch a couple of new movies. I saw that uh, King Richard movie on the plane with uh, Will Smith about uh, the Williams sisters. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Have you seen Mm -hmm. it, Billy? I have not. Very, very interesting. But in times of stress, I wonder, because I've been re-watching, ironically, Game of Thrones. Because while there's real conflict in the world, I find the escapism of watching a pretend conflict quite mm-hmm. comforting. Am I alone? 
Oh, not at all. I, you know, uh, here's my dirty secret. We've been rewatching almost every episode <laughs> of Frasier. And, and it's almost like it's it's the opposite. It's watching two completely self-involved narcissists. <laughs> it's like the opposite of watching war coverage. Like right. These guys, their big problem is they can't get into some exclusive club or whatever. But it's, it is comfort food. There's something about it. It's a funny show. It does hold up. Uh, but it, there's something about hanging with familiar people right. on television that helps right now. What do you it's, say, there, Fred? It, it, no, that, yeah, that, and that show is just brilliant. Every so it often is. when I'm... I just happen upon it, and it's like, I forgot how... Oh, yeah, how smart the writing is. Oh, just yeah. amazing. Uh, when I was away, my, uh, my uh, sister-in-law, uh, Imelda, she's into the British shows. I watch, too. They're older shows. But, and again, uh, 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 more appreciation for what's going on with British TV. It was uh, Happy Valley and Last Tango in Halifax. Last oh, yeah. Tango in Halifax, I'm halfway through it. I know, Howard, you would love it. Like, it's just that warm British neat show, you know? Yeah. Like, My partner Sandra here is so hooked on that show. She loves which it. Which one? Halifax. Yeah. Last yeah. Tango. Yeah. Is it about actually Halifax or is that. Uh, no, in, in England. Oh, in okay. Mm hmm. But it's this older couple that yeah, get married. Anyway, I, I won't get into that, but I know you'd like it. It's just. It's just so British and neat. It but the, I guess my point is that watching Game of Thrones, we I sort of happened into it. I don't, I can't remember if it was Rachel that was watching it or we just. I, but now I'm watching every episode again, yeah. mm-hmm. and I wonder if, if people are are being pulled into shows, Fraser, or in, in your case, mm-hmm. a new uh, British show, for comfort. Because you you know and we can get maybe we'll skip over um, the Lakers for a second and get right to the the coverage. I really haven't watched a lot of coverage, guys. I'll be honest with you. Other than reading my news sources, I and going to CNN. I've it's weird. It's almost like the war it doesn't happen unless you turn on a device. Yeah, no, you're right. And so, in some nights, there's a resistance to do that. Yeah, it's like, oh my God, anything, anything else to get me out of this hell. And that's why you're looking at all these new shows that are coming on, and they're very escapist. Uh, it's almost, and they're all set in the '70s at a time without uh, cell phones or internet or, you know, the, or cable. And um, there seems to be a yeah, a genuine need to escape to these kinder gentler we think times um and i think yeah i mean even my son who's 29 like he's watching the sopranos beginning to end yeah. Yeah. you know like that's not a, a comfort show you would think but in a way it is it's a family yeah. and uh you know so it's you're right i think there's comfort in the familiar uh you you mentioned that uh cnn has uh in your opinion here um is the more serious gone back to its sort of roots um, the the Gulf War of 1990 yeah like it's upped its game because it for a while it has really descended and the whole uh, Governor Como and his son or his brother Chris Como and the, the the partisan views that people look to Fox News and only accuse them of having uh, it was just as blatant on um, uh, CNN. It was a turnoff. If you were looking for anything impartial or even as impartial as we are, were used to on, say, CBC or especially on BBC. And CNN had really, they've become so polarized. Now they've got something to cover and you've got very brave 
men and women on the scene. <clears throat> 75 people is um, the number of people CNN has in uh, the Ukraine. And my God, they're, they're standing on blown up bridges helping to ferry people across who don't know how they're going to survive. It's very uh, fascinating to watch. Um, if we can agree to disagree, um, you know, people say that about CNN, but I watch a lot of CNN and Fox and some MSNBC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found CNN tends to lean one way, but they're they're way more balanced than Fox, and they have been even recently. At least they'll look at Biden and sort of dissect something he's done wrong. Like, they'll talk about where he has slipped up, where Fox would never, ever, ever, ever do that with Donald Trump. And through CNN and Fox through this this war, it's like CNN is for grown-ups, and now let's go over to Fox <laughs> and find out why um, this is Joe Biden's fault that there, there's, right. a, there, there, there's a war in... Um, in, in Ukraine. Um, I, again, that's just my perspective. No. And, and don't get me wrong. CN, the CNN has their, you know, their biases, no doubt. But I still think with, as far as the balance game goes, there's no there's no comparison. You're absolutely right, Fred. And there isn't any comparison. You've got Tucker Carlson, like, shilling for Putin. Like, it's... it's although he's changed his tune in the last week or so. He, Yeah. Although the, the best one now, Billy, I know, is that he has an essay where he blames Kamala Harris for making him think it wasn't as serious because she was involved. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so Saturday Night Live opened with a, yeah. I was going to say they they did a little like they tried to sort of do what they do, which is you know parody and and satire, and and you think it fell short. I think it's beyond parody. That's part of the problem, and it's just not funny. If you have been watching the coverage and and CNN, and then you see uh, them try to sort of mock, and they're really mocking Fox. They're not mocking right. more coverage, right? Uh, but it's still, you're just thinking, oh, my goodness, is this a little too soon? It yeah, it was Kate McKinnon right. as Laura Ingraham, somebody as Tucker Carlson. I didn't see the sketch. I read about it. and um, But I, I like your perspective that maybe while a war is going on, again, unprecedented times, is, that, is, is parody and, and satire still part of the landscape? It was curious because the week before they opened with a choir singing the right. Ukrainian yeah. national anthem, and that was a very uh, grown up and so- somber, somber yeah, yeah, somber note for that show. And then sort of the next week to go, oh well, we did that, and now we're going to go right back to uh, big laughs. Um, it's it's a tough pivot, and I don't know if they pulled it off. Uh, you say yeah. your favorite new series is uh, something I think I'm going to enjoy. It's called Winning Time: The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Oh my God! Is this a great show, uh, Howard and Fred? It, it's it's just so much uh, fun to watch. Uh, if you want to escape more coverage, you just immerse yourself in this time capsule of the seventies, and it, it's from uh, uh, McRae, who is a you know Will Ferrell's partner, Adam McRae on a lot of things. He's behind it, right? Um, and uh, just John C. Riley plays Ger- uh, Jerry, Doctor Jerry Buss. Who I remember, you know, he owned the Lakers and the mm-hmm. Los Angeles Kings. And he was a big was, character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he had crazy comb over in the shirt, the Vegas Elvis shirts. <laughs> That's right. You know, and, and Playboy bunnies everywhere. And the thing, it's very Boogie Nights, this show. It's, it's very much of that era. But it's fascinating, and it's all true. There's some shocking 
endings to episodes that you just think this is Sopranos crazy, but it happened. It happened, and they're just telling the story. Wow, is it is it a great? Uh, it's not a documentary. It's a drama, and it's on uh, Crave and HBO. Yeah, that's right. And it started on Sunday. And there's going to be ten episodes. I've seen the first five. Uh, just because I haven't had time to see the all of the ball so far, but wow, you just you just want to keep watching. It's very good. Everybody's in it. Sally Field plays uh, the Doctor uh, Jerry Buss's mom, who's the also the accountant. Uh, you know, there's uh, Michael Chiklis shows up as Red Auerbach from the Boston Celtics. Um, I don't. I can't. There, no, yeah, Pat, Adrian Johnson. Brody is Pat Riley, Gabby Hoffman, Michael J. You, uh, Jason yeah. Siegel, and you. You don't. You don't have to be a basketball fan to enjoy this. It's one of no. those. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I just want to watch it, Fred, to see the Lakers wearing those fun, those funny NBA <laughs> shorts from the seventies. Oh, like we all used to. Like we all used shorts. to in high school. The yeah, Adidas yeah. shorts. The yeah. Adidas shorts. Um, I'm interested, too. Amy Poehler has directed a documentary, according to Bill Brio. And by the way, Bill Brio has a, a podcast called uh, Guests Humble and Fred Will Never Get. <laughs> He's got the best guests on his show. And I'm like, hey, Bill, could we have... No, Bill's done uh, great work with the, the... What's it called? The Brio podcast... Brio TV, the podcast is Love very that. cleverly titled. Yeah, uh-huh. and uh, anyway, um, I, I was a medium on the Nicole Kidman, uh, Lucy, and Desi being the Ricardos. I thought it was okay. Same yeah. here. But you say that Netflix is premiering a documentary about them. Uh, well, yeah, that's right. They've got uh, Lucy and Desi, and it's directed by Amy Poehler. And this has been a festival favorite. Uh, it was mm. shown different, different places. But it's, it's, she's just f- done a great job in assembling. Uh, and it's familiar territory. And in the last year, there's never been so much Lucy-Desi stuff. TCM was doing a podcast uh, about uh, the series. You could listen to Lucy herself doing a podcast lately from uh, an old radio show in the, in the 60s. Uh, and so then being the Ricardos with Aaron Sorkin. So 70 years later, we're just immersed in I Love Lucy. But it's, it's, it is a very um, unique uh, love story between these two people. Um, and uh, they, they had a marriage of 20 years. Nine and a half of it, they hardly saw each other. He was in the army and playing in the clubs. But then they did I Love Lucy to try to save their marriage. And it's just a fascinating story about how uh, it would it, it, it be created this amazing show, but it, it did tear them apart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then there was this lingering love story afterwards. They actually are maybe the, one of the greatest examples for ex-couples mm-hmm. ever. Uh, they really uh, had a, a wonderful uh, relationship after uh, their uh, horrible marriage. So it's, it's an interesting documentary. I won't use horrible marriage, but Howard and his uh, ex-wife, Randy, also have that type of relationship, which I always refer to. It's the model of a breakup. It is. Yeah. It's an inspiration to all of us. So, uh, you know, but... but Yes, that's what I feel. I feel like my my ex-wife and I are an inspiration. for that. Well, you're welcome, Bill. You're welcome. (laughs) So I guess it will come full circle back to the uh, sort of the, the end is the beginning, which is all this television is escapism for the... And I guess it's always been that way to a degree, the escapism for 
mm-hmm. not wanting to check in with the reality. And, and I was saying to Fred earlier in the show, and I guess this is kind of the point I was making, that our reality has been nothing but stressful yeah. for the last 24 months. Going back to Trump even further, but we have lived now through, I, I was going to say, I thought, I thought the pandemic was going to be the biggest story of my lifetime. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. And then wham, you know, this this comes along. I think of my kids, you know, they're like 29 mm-hmm. and 31. And um, I, I, you wonder why young people have so much anxiety. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I don't remember going through this kind of, you know, sitting thinking, you know, will there be air, you know, yeah. except for listening to Bill Cosby's album uh, yeah. or, or anything else. It just seems very apocalyptic and um you know so it's tough tough for sure bill we were saying that earlier in the show it's uh you know the kids it's it's you know they're talking about that no fly zone in in ukraine but if that triggers world war three i'm sorry i gotta worry about people in georgetown i'm sorry but i I, yeah uh, that's what i have to worry about now hey guys have you thought about you know gonorrhea brain fucking putin what if he did hit that button what would the what would what would those moments be like if there was a nuclear bomb in the air like you talk about coverage how what would television be like what would radio emergency messages on our phone like well yeah that could happen as long as it doesn't interrupt game of thrones season four episode (laughs) right (laughs) i know man like forget the pandemic i remember because bill made me think of this because my kids now are 27 and 24 and i remember the 27 year old so she would have been four in 2001. And I remember thinking, what am I going to tell my kids or her about this day, this 9-11, this unprecedented day in history? And now 9-11 seems like some quaint little incident that happened oh so long ago. Because as you just said, Fred, you know, we're, we're on the, the verge of a, something that's not happened you know, since the 1940s, which is the world being at war with... A country, right? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm thinking back to when uh, my daughter Katie was four, and you know, I was a big Beatles fan. I am a big and would listen to the music, and so there had a Beatles convention at the Skyline Hotel on Highway 27. And uh, I took her to this thing, and they had people selling old album covers. And uh, then there was, you could hear the Beatles from Hard Day's Night playing at that mm-hmm. hotel at a theater downstairs. And we, I said, come on, let's go see the Beatles. And she's so excited. And we get down there, and there's this scratchy old print of this black and white movie playing on a screen. <laughs> she sat there very quietly. And then after it was all over, she turned and looked at me and said... Dad, are the Beatles dead? <laughs> and I th- it was heartbreaking to break this to her. And I just think, my God, like, um, this is what everybody's asking now about everything. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, exactly. And it is sobering for sure. But you, t- you talk about uh, anxiety with kids. Everything's so out of whack. We're, again, earlier in the show. Like, you know, the, the price of gas now is out of whack to what kids make. The, the ratio of it to what we made when they, we were in our 30s. The price of homes. Like, to go down the line. It's it. A lot of this looks hopeless to these kids. No, I know. And yeah. Bill, and Bill, you act. You you, you yeah. bring up a good point. You wonder why there's anxiety and stress yeah. and mental health issues. And as you said, Fred, you know, like we're at the we're at the end of our race. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this is affecting savings, etc. But 
you know, imagine our mutual children's age, and, and they're wondering, you know, are they even going to get to our age? Um, mm-hmm. Willie, we got to go, but uh, listen, man, all the best to you. Yeah, thanks uh, for cheering me up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, TV feeds his family So should you Bill Brio The uh, podcast The eponymously named uh, Available uh, Wherever podcasts Are released And uh, you do a new one When? Uh, next Monday Usually every Monday morning And uh, yeah There's a lady from When Calls the Heart Up there now Andrea Brooks no, listen, you're a good man, Billy. Thanks, my friend. Hey, hey, don't tell me what happens on. Don't tell me what happens on Game of Thrones because I'm totally into it. Okay, <laughs> they fade to black at the end. That's a that's right. And Journey plays. <laughs> you know that would be perfect for me because I don't know what happened the first time. <laughs> well, I, well I, I'll tell you. It's. I was saying to Rachel, what's fascinating about watching it now yeah. is how young these actors were yeah. at the time. You know, the Arya Starks and etc. I mean. I, I am seeing things I didn't notice the first time around, and I'm again. It's it's so well done, and uh, yeah, whatever. Maybe again, we all need a little escape. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Bill. Before we get to uh, our friend uh, Tim Daniels talking about life in uh, Florence, Italy, and the uh, wonder that is the health gauge, why don't you tell us a little story, Frederick? About the retirement Sherpa. Yeah. You know, I was golfing the other day in Panama City Beach, Florida, and I was wearing my Sherpa golf shirt. And I took a snapshot, and I sent it to Timmy, and he responded Uh in his warm, fuzzy way that he does. And I thought, I miss the man. I'll be glad when I can see him again. Uh, You might want to see Tim Niblett. I'll tell you, if you're building a portfolio, starting from scratch, or you have one that you want somebody to have a second look at, he's your guy, Tim Niblett, both sides of the border. He's licensed both ways. He's on top of it, brothers and sisters. Tim Niblett, the retirement Sherpa. Tim, a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian uh, Investors Protection Fund, retirementsherpa.ca. Well, I miss Timmy, too, but you know what else I missed? I miss the wonder that is Canna Cabana. Yeah, sure, weed's legal in California. It doesn't mean that their dispensaries have figured it out like Canna Cabana has. If you want your cannabis at the lowest prices, and why wouldn't you? And think about it. Canna Cabana makes it easy with over 100 locations across Canada. In fact, I think we're up to 110. And Canna Cabana Club members enjoy unbeatable selection of cannabis, Fred. I don't know what you did for your cannabis in uh, Florida. I guess it's illegal still there, huh? Yeah, it is. But here in Canada, we get our cannabis at Canna Cabana and their accessories at new lowest prices. They, they're there every day. 70% off happens all the time at Canna Cabana. Canna Cabana Club. Canna Cabana Club members can say that on accessories every day. And, of course, the highest THC for less. If you want the highest THC for the lowest prices, Canna Cabana is where you'll find it. Unbeatable prices on the largest selection of high THC, flower, vape, and concentrates. Canna Cabana. That's where you do it. Yeah, it's interesting. The industry in Palm Springs in California, in Los Angeles where I was. It's weird. You know, I lived in North Hollywood for a better part of three years and had no idea that this even... I had never gotten to a car and drove to Palm Springs, but now that I have, it's weird thinking that from where I was staying two days ago to Los Angeles is like a, it's like driving from uh, 
you know, Stratford to downtown Toronto. It's not very far. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, a lot and to do in the area. And their industry, their cannabis industry is, you can see it's a bit more grown up. Canna Cabana, I mean, does an amazing job. But I mean, our industry in Canada is fairly young compared to how long it's been legal in those states that it is legal in, in the states. Mm-hmm. But again, that being said, it doesn't seem like I didn't see, you know, it's, it's interesting when it all happened here in Canada a few years ago, I guess, I don't know what well, we all thought you just see nothing but people smoking weed all the time. I, I almost never see anyone smoking it. Do you know what I mean? Like publicly, although in, uh, Cathedral City, which is one of the little suburbs around Palm Springs. There was a place where you could buy your weed. It was a, a lounge, so you could buy it and smoke it. But I don't know. Like uh, they made legal, we, we made legal uh, weed legal here in Canada. It hasn't really changed, uh, you know, people's habits that much, other than the fact it's that almost it's almost like the topless law when they said here in Ontario women could go topless. They you never saw women walking around with their boobs hanging out. You expected. But, you know, the unmistakable... yes, I know. Yes, the unmistakable aroma, too, of, of cannabis, of weed. You don't... Like, I'm not out and about and smelling it all the time, you know? Yeah, me neither. Like, you think you might. Like, people... You know, other people walk outside a restaurant or an office or whatever and have a smoke. Like, it's not like you're seeing that with, with weed a lot. And, uh, again, the smell alone tells you that. You know what? Because basically, we're a pretty responsible society. Well, we are basically, yeah. I mean, we, you know, there's a certain etiquette. There's a certain Mm -hmm. ebb and flow to daily life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know what people thought was going to happen. You know, one of the things I used to joke about when it first became legal is I've spent the better part of my adult life thinking it was legal because I never bought it by the kilo. You know, I was buying little tiny bits. You know, um, we're golfing one day in Florida and my uh, brother-in-law Clyde loves a big cigar while he's he's golfing. And we are paired up with this man and woman from Michigan, maybe. I forget. Yeah. Oh, that's right. She was the Republican who hates Trump. Uh, anyway, he said to her, do you mind if I light this cigar? And she goes, no, 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 not at all. She said, you know, if it was something else, and then meaning weed, and then I thought, isn't that interesting? Um, if it was something else. Like mm. meanwhile, meanwhile, if the bar car came along, you know, you might get two or three little vodkas to put in your uh, orange juice or oh, yeah. slam back a few beers or coolers, and that's all right, but not if it's that other stuff. I know, it's weird. I, I only played weird. one, I played nine holes, an extra nine on uh, one day last week, where it was just a perfect day. And I, for 20 bucks, you could play nine more, and I did. And I played with these guys from Indiana, big guys, mm-hmm. truckers, actually, really nice guys. Right. Three brothers, or two brothers and their best buddy, who was married to one of the brothers' sister, just good old boys, and uh, big too, like big men. All in their late fifties, early sixties, and all like the, the beer. The point I'm making is when the beer cart came around. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I always play. I was only playing nine holes with these guys, and they were only playing eighteen. But they got enough beer for like the rest of their lives. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. They must have got six beers each, <laughs> something. And and one guy, the biggest guy, Paul, he's like, this will do me till nine. I'm like, good for you, Buck. Enjoy yourself, man. But it was just like 
two fisting beers. This was about the fifth hole. Yeah. But yeah, just the uh, most people didn't drink that much, but this was the one group that I was with that did. <laughs> yeah, that, that that course I was talking about, they didn't even have a a liquor cart at Signal Hill. We thought it was odd. They didn't. Uh, they didn't have this mobile thing. But again, really? it was mostly seniors. Yeah, well, maybe that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most of the people I played with were people of our age, mm-hmm. and. You know, the cart would come around and most people get like a, you know, a power bar or something. Very few people Mm -hmm. were ordering. (laughs) These guys ordered 15 beer. You want anything, Howard? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good, guys. Uh, All right. Well, we've got uh, a couple minutes before Tim from Health Gauge. Um, Yeah, I've been watching Game of Thrones. I watched this series. I forgot to bring it up with Bill called Tinder Swindler, which was very interesting. Yes. Maybe you've heard of it. It's about a guy that basically has become famous for swindling women out of their money. Um, I haven't really been watching, and I'm going to be honest, I haven't watched all that much war coverage. I've read a lot about it, but I haven't. And I've watched some CNN stuff, but I'm not. And this is what I was going to get to. Are you like every night turning it on to see, you know, the latest update? Oh, yeah, for a while. Yeah. yeah. Not long, because I went to bed early as well. Plus, it's just downright depressing. Exactly. It's, it's just like how one man, one maniac, can do that to so many. Have us all on edge. One guy sitting yeah. in a room, a fucking s- s- disgusting little scumbag coward sitting in a room, can do this to the rest of us. And what he's doing to the people, like slaughtering the, the civilians and the kids and the hospitals... It's something else. And then again, to know there's people that think, hey, maybe that's okay. Because you know what? What he represents is sort of what I'm into. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I I haven't spoken to anyone who thinks that way, but... No. Mm Mm-hmm. They're out there. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's interesting about Fox. Fox really changed their tune. I think we talked about this before we took our little break there, but I would have loved to take a screen cap of the day before the war started. Mm-hmm. And then how how Fox is playing it now. And, and to your point with Bill Brio, I mean, CNN has always played. CNN always plays everything, at least to give the impression that they're a news organization. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I don't want to get into how biased or not they are, but Fox doesn't really give you the impression anymore, or at least until recently, that they are a news organization. They're more of a propaganda organization. But even Fox, and I was watching some stuff this morning, even they have turned more serious through the coverage yes. of this. Yeah. Yeah. What has uh, the uh, CTV and CBC coverage been like? Um, you know, just the same way, just showing all the disturbing things that are taking place and you know the frustration of it all that you just sort of feel helpless and but you understand it it's like you today you want to go in and just help those people but there are so many tentacles so many things that have to be considered that it's not that easy so what do you 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 you, you refer to this uh, no fly zone what 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 do you think is going to could possibly trigger something cataclysmic well they're saying that no fly zone so if if nato recognized a no-fly zone then they would engage be at war 
they would engage Soviet planes above Ukraine. And that means war, which means World War Three, which means escalation, which means the next step and yeah. on and on and on. You know, and what they worry about is Putin. Like, is he at a point now, like a lot of people say they've noticed over the past several months, he's disturbed. Is he at the point where he would just think... Get a charge at it, taking the whole world out. Yeah, I see. That's where, where where I have some hope around this is that the the pressure is being put on by the West mm-hmm. at every level. And the the thing I was watching just when you came on this morning was a, talking about the Russian airline industry. Yeah, there's so much pressure to not end not just the world, but there's a lot of pressure within Russia. The oligarchs, the the wealthiest, the infrastructure of the wealthiest people in Russia. I think that's actually the irony of all this is that the the richest Russians are going to be the ones to put the most pressure on Putin to not screw things up because, you know, it sounds simplistic, but they're the ones that are being affected immediately by having all their assets frozen around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's been incidents in history, and I can't name them off the top of my head, where second or third in command takes out oh, the yeah. guy at the top. Like, it's like, okay, like, you know, I'm Russian, and I'm sort of into this, and I can see you want to rebuild the Soviet Union, but this is too much. Yeah, exactly. We got to kill, kill this guy. And maybe that'll happen. I also, you know... But Putin I think the pressure a, to that, I, my, that... That's kind of my point. The pressure mm-hmm. to put on those people from mm-hmm. people below them that... There's a lot of... Yes. A lot of pressure being brought to bear in a way that wasn't available to people back in the 30s and 40s because there's worldwide pressure now and you know putin has a wife and he has two grown daughters like what do they think like no i know well like what part do they play like is his wife you know what wives are like his wife watching that and not saying Vladimir, what are you doing, you prick? Or the yeah. daughters. They're of an age, you'd think, where they'd be of a different mindset, where they'd say, Dad, why are you being such a Daddy. An asshole? Yeah. Yeah, like, I, don't think, I don't think Mrs. Putin's going, Vladimir, why are you being yeah. such a dick? I don't, think she talks to, I don't think she talks to him the way Dahl and Rachel talk to us. What's wrong with you? And what bothers me, he's safe, and you can bet that his kids and his grandchildren, they're all safe. And I bet you he'll put his grandchildren on his knee today and stroke their little heads and love them. Yet, meanwhile, he's ordering the slot. Like I saw a thing yesterday on the news. An 18-month-old kid took shrapnel and died. Like, he doesn't care about that. Like, who, who are these monsters? But, but, you know, down through time, they pop up every so often. And this is ours. Well, yeah, every so often. But this has been, you know... Why do why do we even surprised? Why we you know we all we're at war with Ukraine. This has been going on. He has been doing what he's been doing right. for a really long time. But the most of us, the majority of us, you know, we don't really have our heads in the game every day until we're until it's so. But you know, again, I, I was looking at the last twenty four months since we came back from our vacation mm-hmm. two years ago and all the things that have gone on, including this now. There mm-hmm. is a fatigue. There's a worldwide caring fatigue and, and this yes. is gonna this is just another thing that's gonna add stress. I mean you talk about stress in our kids. There's stress in all of us. You know, I oh, feel man. it. I feel oh. I feel like oh. we've changed. I feel like there's been a big change 
You don't feel settled. Yeah, exactly. There's a feeling of being constantly unsettled where Mm -hmm. you just want a few. That's why I was sort of getting at. We just want you think that, okay, the pandemic is easing and now the trucker convoy is behind us for now. But wait a second. Oh, we got to watch the news and see if we're still, you know, if I've got any money left, all our savings are gone, et cetera, et cetera. It's a bit. It's a bit. It's extremely unsettling. Yeah. And uh, what I said at the beginning of the show, what unsettles me a lot is the evil around us. You don't realize how much people buy into their weird philosophies and well, weird yes. ideologies. And it's like, hey, it's out there. Yeah. And where did, and, and why is it always tied into religion? Why? Yeah. Like, it's something. Yeah. It's, but, I mean, you know, you think of your daughters. I think of my kids and my, again, my grandchildren. It's like... What what happens if it escalates and all of a sudden we're all threatened? How do you deal with that? I have you think no you idea. Got problems now? Oh yeah. Well, I'll tell you how. You know, you know who's got a global perspective, and I mentioned this earlier. Is this guy? You know, Look at him. Tim. The guy's. You know, he's from Musha. I'm not sure if people realize that. He lived in um, Edmonton. Also lived in Florida. Does business in Australia, Canada, the U.S., Europe, also Eastern Europe, as well as the health gauge guy. But right now, uh, to welcome to our program with a global perspective, Timmy Daniels. Thanks, guys. Hey, man, like that is true, though. You do business around the planet. And I thought of you today because I knew we were going to talk to you and I hadn't talked to you in a couple weeks since I was in Palm Springs. Like, what are you hearing and what is from people you are partners with, not only casually, but, you know, you you have business partners around the planet. What are you hearing from people? Um, Unfortunately, not a whole lot different than uh, than everyone else. Um, I've had the uh, I I don't know. Good fortune is not the right uh, phraseology, but I've had the opportunity to be, you know, behind the curtain at points in my life where world events were happening. And oftentimes what I would see as I turned on the television, as I turned on CNN and what I was seeing outside my hotel window had, had no correlation with each other. In other words, you know, there was, you know, this, this very skewed view uh, vision or westernized vision of what was going on. Um, other times, though, um, what you see on the news is exactly what's happening, and that appears to be the case here and now. Um, uh, from the people that I, you know, continue to do business with and have contact with in in that part of the world, um, they're saying, "Yeah, it's 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 every bit as bad or mm-hmm. worse." than what it's being portrayed on TV. How is it affecting business? Because I know you have businesses in Australia, uh, here in North America and in Europe and some mining issues. And and, and in terms of the business of the world, what are you hearing from people? Well, everybody shares the same concern. One is what I just, you know, I I think I heard Fred alluding to when I uh, when I checked in here. And that's that. uh, I mean, the first time in our generation, you know, we're talking about the the good old Cold War days where kids are, you know, learning how to get under their desk in case there's, you know, a a nuclear war breaking out. Um, And that's just something that none of us 
anybody 60 or younger ever believed that was a possibility uh, ever again. And all of a sudden, you know, it, we're, we're, we're faced with that. So, you know, that, that's a sort of, you know, uh, um, Cold War reality that none of us can relate to. Um, but on a, you know, more pragmatic, pragmatic level, um, just, you know, what faces us every day, the, the, the cost of fuel is built into each and every item that we all, you know, purchase and use. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from, you know, this cup of coffee that I'm drinking now, uh, uh, you know, through to my mining projects are all to some degree or another um, uh, driven by the cost of, of fuel um, because it is a global economy and we're moving goods across the planet. And just if, if for no other reason, just the cost of moving those goods uh, has been going up, you know, dramatically. And, uh, um, uh, and, and so that affects um, the, the, the price of everything. And so inflation comes into the picture. And at some point, governments have to have to take that inflation into account and start raising interest rates. And that, you know, starts uh, has, uh, you know, that has a domino effect in the overall economy where it slows down the economy, uh, slows down housing purchases, um, puts less purchasing power into the average person's pocket, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, it affects us all. There's no no doubt about it. And unfortunately, I don't see, you know, a quick and simple um, answer. Right. To, uh, well, proximity is um, interesting part of this too although here we are on the other side of the pond with nuclear weapons you can't feel completely safe obviously yeah but like italy like you know you're not far from the sort of epicenter no not at all expands you know it affects you on a different level so there's got to be a different type of concern when you're in mainland um Europe, europe yeah for sure i'll give you an example you know a good friend of mine who's a physician has said in the last, whatever it is now, 25 years since the Chernobyl accident, the incidence of certain types of cancers um, relating to the thyroid and so on yeah. have gone off the chart in Europe as a direct result, as, as, as mm-hmm. a you know, function of the fallout of, uh, uh, of, um, of the radioactivity uh, from Chernobyl. And that's something that, you know, uh, we in North America have always had the luxury of saying, you know, those sorts of things are, you know, not our problem, Mm -hmm. you know, which, by the way, you know, the cold hard reality is that the whole reason for the existence of of NATO, the North Atlantic uh, Treaty Organization, is to move the front line of the next big war into Europe rather than it being a a Soviet versus America front line or now Mm -hmm. Russia versus versus mm-hmm. America frontline. And so that, that was the whole, the whole point of it is, uh, is make this a European problem. Um, but, you know, now we all see that in this world we live in today, you know, the world has gotten very, very small and, and, uh, uh, and these problems are global problems. Mm-hmm. So, and, not, and, not and you make a great point about the price of gas affecting everything. Even if you don't think it does, it will. You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, the price of gas in California and the price of gas in Florida. But, you know, it's, you know, they. I just, Freddie, there's a, somebody sent us a note that in Vancouver, they're just paying $2 per liter. You know, the, what, what it's working out now, I was paying almost $5 a gallon in California, which is as $7 a liter, you know. And, and you made a point about it. There's not a, a quick solution to all of this. 
but hopefully there'll be a peaceful solution to it yeah exactly exactly you know our cost of gas has gotten you know so high here that uh you know i've been considering buying a second ferrari because it's cheaper to have a new ferrari than to fill up the old ones (laughs) oh really is that right i wish (laughs) (laughs) look at tim coming with the uh the comedy Yeah, you know, it, it's it's the other extreme. It's uh, now I can't afford to, to fill up my golf cart. So, kids, it's time to get out and push again. That's right. Again, um, I'll tell you what again. we can't afford, you know, before we let you go, because I did want to get your perspective. But, of course, one of the reasons Tim's here is to talk about the Health Gauge Watch, which, as we know, the... Um, the uh, the sale is over, but you can still get fifteen percent off with the promo code HumbleFredHG. And uh, I don't know what we can say that we haven't told people already, except now is a great time with your stress levels yeah. to make sure you monitor your own health. Yeah, beyond a doubt. If I have thirty seconds, I, w- I want. Yeah, to of course you do. Perfect. And I've never done this before. And let's talk a, a little bit about the business end. And I know, you know, your your viewers are more interested in hearing about the product itself, and they should be. But there is one uh, piece on the business end, that, that, a recent development that has some direct relevance to your viewers who might be interested in the watch. And that's that back in January, we were issued uh, a patent by the uh, uh, U.S. Patent Office covering this technology. So we now are the only wearable solution in the world, the only health wearable solution that has been patented by the US Patent Office uh, for the use of aggregating uh, biomedical data out of the human body um, uh, for the purpose of, of, of monitoring and, and, and analyzing that data and coming up with better health solutions. And so um, uh, it's another, it's a fancy way of saying this ain't no Tonka toy. This is, <laughs> this, this is something that can make a difference. They, that health. should be the tagline, health cage. <laughs> this ain't no Tonka toy. <laughs> or uh, did, did you have, when I was a kid, my favorite, I, I was a big deal. I had the Hot Wheels. Yes, of course. And the Hot Wheels with the orange track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This ain't no Tonka or Hot Wheels. Listen, man, congratulations to you. Healthgauge.com is where you find out more. And uh, thanks for providing a bit of perspective this morning. I, I do appreciate it, man. Okay, guys. Take care. Uh, good to see you, hey, bud. You, I'll send you a note. We should catch up uh, in the next week or so. I want to uh, sh- I want to share some Moose Jaw stuff with you. Please do. I'm, I'm here. Let's All right, man. Timmy uh, Daniels there in Florence, Italy. Okay, yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's interesting. He's talking about how interconnected we all are and how, uh, you know, it's easy for us to go, well, we're fine, you know, here in North America. But, you know, a That's lot of things are going to affect us. That's an interesting spin to the whole idea of NATO is put the front line yeah. over there, not here. Yeah. Interesting. Very. And, you know. You talk about a peaceful resolution to this. Really, I think the, for us, the most peaceful is he runs over Ukraine and and owns it. And that's how it ends. Isn't that awful? But, I mean, wh- what's the alternative? Well, um, well, I guess that's one way to look at it. I know a lot of people in Ukraine would uh, would would appreciate another outcome. Maybe maybe of the course. maybe the I mean the best case scenario is that he gets enough internal and external pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, Dan sent me this 
Is it called Mentor Aviation, Dan? What's the name of the program? Yeah, Mentor Now. Uh, he has two channels. He, one, one he just covers car uh, or air, air crashes and, and, and yeah. explains in in micro detail what. what anyway, the, the, but the one thing you sent me, Dan, that I thought was interesting, Fred, is that it talked just just the Russian aviation industry and how that would be affected and and how the leases on their airplanes are coming up in the next couple of weeks and so maybe there'll be enough pressure if russian people can't fly in between anywhere do you know what i mean like there's and, and that's just one industry out of you know a thousand of them well this to bear pressure Russians are turning on Netflix today. It's not there. They're turning on. They're trying to use TikTok. It's not there. Right. Facebook, not there. Their banking um, industry, not there. Not there. They're, yeah, Visa now and MasterCard. Exactly. Use those cards. It ain't going to work. So yep. at some point, those people that are being fed the propaganda that this was provoked by Ukraine because of Nazis, which is just another thing, like just makes your head explode. The people have got to start going, well, wait a minute. If this is their fault, why am I being punished? Or maybe questions are going to start being asked. And again, hopefully, all I know is, that, you know, when we saw Saddam Hussein after he was dead, and then uh, I think there was pictures, too, of uh, the body of uh, Osama bin Laden being dumped into the sea. Mm. I just hope we see Putin's dead body someday, you know, with a bullet between the eyes or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Be a nice. That's that would be a nice. No, it would so. be. It was fantastic. But do you guys really think that that, uh, like, wouldn't wouldn't somebody else step up? Is is Putin really a force of personality that, that, that would... The absence of him would stop everything, or would some other? I don't know. Russian. Well, dude. even if it changes direction a bit, Dan, like who knows? Yeah, I mean, because like, I think I think that about Putin. Like, look what? Uh, of course, the Soviet Union dissolved, and Russia was Russia. But you know, they were selling gas and oil, and he's rich beyond belief. And generally, the people of Russia were happy, and Ukraine was living peacefully. What was wrong with that world? <laughs> uh, what, what's different now than um, you know? The last time a uh, maniacal nut job mm-hmm. tried to take over Europe, the difference is the Internet, you know. And you can say That's what you want point. about social media, but all those things we've just named, including mm-hmm. their entire aviation industry, which according to Dan's uh, program that I watched this morning, like a good portion of it, almost half of it, are leased airplanes from a, another company. that they're, they're going to call their lease. They're going to basically shut down the aviation industry in about 20 days. If this doesn't resolve itself, if Putin's drowning, though, and he's destroying his own country from within, then we have to worry about what's his knee jerk reaction going to be? Take himself out and the world with it. um, uh, Dan, we've got another interview uh, that we just run into now. Um, Okay. so I'll tell you what. And again, I don't know what I know. We had a different plan, but that was before the other interview went along. And now we're talking to this and then we got Dan Duran's news. Uh, so we're going to take about a 10 minute, uh, can you take about a 10 minute break, Dan? Yeah. Or is that no kind problem. of, I know you're busy with your no, I'm very busy. paperwork, <laughs> with, your, very busy, very busy. with your paperwork and your snow sculptures. <laughs> do you, do you think you could just hang on a little bit? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, you know, I'll just rearrange my schedule okay. and, uh, and I'll come back. Okay. Well, thank you. See you in 10. I should just mention here, Howard, off the top, the chamber plan. Do you want to just... Yeah, before we get to uh, Scott McLean, sure, why don't you mention that? Mm -hmm. 
Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. If you have a small business, say 1 to 50, 100 employees, you've thought about a benefits package, go to chamberplan.ca, get a free quote, testimonials, you'll get, you know, your investigation will lead to how this can work for your small company. So many products under the umbrella. Take the time today, chamberplan.ca. Dot ca. Well, we've been uh, talking to our friend Tim Daniels in Florence about you know the state of the world. We're going to talk to a, a new friend, com- commodity exploration. Fred, mm-hmm. as you know, is risky business, and with global tensions riding high, and investors seeking safe investment havens like gold, the potential for Canada's untapped reserves remain high. And that is where our next guest comes in. He is the chief executive officer of Transition Metals, a project generator that takes the risk out of exploration for gold and other commodities like copper and platinum. That's a lot of grown-up stuff. And our guest is Scott McLean. Hey, Scott, how are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Uh, we're fantastic. I mean, I, you're on the Humble and Fred show, so you know things are working out pretty well for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for inviting me. It's great to be here. Well, thank you. We Googled uh, transition metals, and a list of metals came up. Do you explore for all of those, and, and where did the name come from? <laughs> well, not really. There's about 36 uh, transition metals on the uh, on the periodic table, if you remember your grade 11 chemistry. I do not. And, uh, <laughs> and those include many of the commodities that we explore for, like gold, uh, nickel, copper, platinum, and palladium, for example, that you mentioned in your intro. So it's a fitting name for us. Uh, we're a multi-commodity project generator, as you described. We're, uh, we look for a number of different uh, different opportunities in different commodity bases, and that uh, is a rather fitting name in that, in, in, uh, in that circumstance. Well, tell me, you know, you just mentioned something, uh, a project generator. What exactly does that mean? Well, we generate projects. So um, essentially, you know, as you mentioned also in your intro, the junior mining business is a pretty risky business. And in fact, about one in a thousand sort of new greenfields targets will become profitable mines and probably one in over 3,000 will actually become a significant mine. So, you know, but, but we like the business because we're given the opportunity to discover new ore bodies. And by doing that, we're providing to society, we're creating jobs, we're turning rock into currency, it's value added. And uh, and it's it's a high with high risk comes high reward. Yeah, of course. So um, so what we you know most of these junior companies, most of them that you invest in, uh, run a traditional junior model. So they have one or two projects. They finance those projects by um, raising money, issuing equity in the company. And they create a huge uh, uh, rate of equity dilution, shareholders' equity dilution. So uh, a traditional junior, if they're successful in the one in one thousand kind of odds. They'll have uh, a single discovery that their shareholders will be diluted significantly out of. Mm-hmm. What we tend to do is we have multiple projects, and rather than funding those by raising money and issuing equity, we sell interest in the projects. We bring in partners to help us with it, take buy interest in the project, advance the projects, and mitigate that risk for us. So we have lots of different irons in the fires. In the fire, lots of opportunities for our shareholders to be involved in discovery, right. and we mitigate that risk by bringing partners in and, and right. minimizing that, that shareholder's dilution. Understood. Now, all the projects focused in Canada, a few months ago, investors may have not been able to be focused on that exactly. Uh, how is Canada's uh, stability compared to other areas? Well, 
it's we like it. I mean, the, the the technical when we look at projects, even on a worldwide basis, we look at three nodes. What's the technical merit? Is it a good project? Is it a good value? Is it good opportunities? Is it perspective? We look at the economics. How far from a road is it? How deep is it? How is there power nearby, etc. And then we also look at what you're talking about, political stability and the mm-hmm. security of our people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last thing we want to do is take and shareholders' money, invest that uh, into advancing a project to only have that kind of uh, scrape out under our feet in an unstable um, uh, political uh, environment. So we love Canada. It's perspective. We're starting to see a lot more larger companies move into Canada. And, uh, but we do see the playing field changing a little bit. So we're, we're involved a, a lot more in the planning stage with, with a lot of the social elements, which is really kind of a, a worldwide kind of a phenomenon or change in the, in, the, in the way we do our business. Well, Fred asked you about investment here in the country, but you know, given you know, what's going on around the world and how interconnected we all are, do you guys in, does transmit, transit, transition metals invest outside of Canada? We have, um, you know, but typically uh, we, we stick to where, where we have the, um, the expertise. We know the ground rules. We know uh, if we are successful, we'll be able to uh, exploit our, our, our successes. Um, and uh, we do have looked at other, other countries on a project-by-project project basis. But generally speaking, uh, our expertise, our proprietary data sets, our, the, our access to public uh, geoscientific data sets really allows us to really prosper here in Canada. And that's, that's what we've done for the last uh, number of years. All right. And the big question, do you see people <laughs> investing in gold more in the coming months and years based on what's happening globally? I think so. You know, gold's an interesting one, right? Whenever you mm. see instability or, or economies and the stock, stock market uncertainty, um, uh, in, in particular in the markets, you see, uh, uh, you know, people going to gold as a safe haven, as a hedge against inflation, for example. And we're seeing all those in the, play, in, the, uh, in, in, the, in the marketplace right now where there's some instability across the world. Uh, we're seeing high inflation rates, rates, and we've seen gold rise uh, tremendously over the last few months. Uh, this morning, I think it hit two thousand wow. uh, dollars, a U.S. an ounce, and uh, many think that it's poised to go much higher. So, really, uh, we're pretty excited. Yeah, and, and what does that mean then for exploration here in Canada? Are, will we see increased interest from people? I think so. You know, Canada is one of those uh, countries that, as I mentioned earlier, has is bountiful in its resources. It's a resource-based country, and we have many opportunities for many commodities here in Canada. We're seeing a lot of new companies move into the Canadian space because it's stable, because it has the opportunity. And when you look around the world, you know, you see what's happening in Europe. I mean, you know, Russia... Russia supplies about 20% of the world's what we call class one nickel. And class one nickel is what's required for the electrification of cars, for example. We've seen nickel rise in price uh, over the last year from about $8 to over $9 based on that uh, a pound, US a pound, based on that demand for electric cars. But since the Russia crisis has happened, the sanctions placed against that country, this morning nickel hit $20 a pound. Wow. So we're, it's, it's, and it goes to show you um, mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that being in Canada is a good place, it's a stable place, and with prices, commodity prices really spiking right now due to uh, world, worldwide instability, we're, uh, we're, uh, we're pretty excited about the opportunities here. Okay. And you have, you have so many projects. What is Sunday Lake? Yeah, so Sunday Lake is a pretty important project. It's uh, 
the platinum palladium deposits are are hard to find on a worldwide basis. Uh, we have one. We have a tiger by the tail here. Uh, it's a large project. Uh, uh, it's still in the exploration stage. Our interest in it is a 25% free carry. So we don't have to put any money into this project until uh, until it's uh, through its feasibility stage. Today, we've seen about $15 million spent on the project. Uh, it's got a broad, wide zone of mineralization that we think can become a resource pretty quickly. Our intersection is about 40 meters of over 5 grams per ton, uh, platinum plus palladium plus gold. Some very high-grade intersections within that. You, Sunday Lake, is part of an emerging PGM or platinum mm. metal um, uh, district that uh, is just uh, was just sort of recognized early in the 2000s with uh, um, the discovery down in Michigan called Eagle Mine. Uh, you know, we're starting to get a little bit of uh, static here on your line. So before we lose you, though, you got uh, the big project is Sunday night, uh, Sunday Lake. Saturday night is another big project that you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. So Saturday night's uh, right, right beside Sunday Lake. It's identical to Sunday Lake. It's the next tiger. We got where, by- where are these, by the way? These two deposits are about uh, a few kilometers, 25 kilometers outside the, the uh, city of Thunder Bay. Oh, OK. Uh, they're very excited projects. But let me just mention, seeing nickel hit $20 a pound this morning, I'd be remiss not to mention our Mod Lake nickel project, which have high-grade nickel at surface, about 6% nickel in, in grabs. We've just completed a 350-kilometer airborne geophysical survey that has some very interesting results. So stay tuned. That's going to be an exciting project as well. Now, your company is called Transition Metals, but we understand there's been some transition in your life as well, Scott, you've got a, a brand new baby. What's your investment? In, what's your investment yeah. on that? <laughs> that, that that's, quite, that's quite the project. That's quite the project. Well, what, what's well, what's like the name multi, of that like, project? Yeah. Well, I like that. I like all. I like being multi commodity and bringing a, a new new child into the world. Just another commodity to look after. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're pretty excited about him. Uh, so now I have four kids, and, uh, and I think that's going to be it. <laughs> Good for you. Wow, man. Well, you are a very busy man. We certainly appreciate you taking some time. The company is called Transition Metals. Uh, in your final second or two here, Scott, what would you like us to know about this company, and how do people find out more about it? Well, look, we're a responsible company. We're looking, if investors are looking to get into a risky business like the junior mining sector, ours is a good opportunity. We're multi-commodity. We mitigate that risk. We've got a great project, great team, and we're a sustainable business. We don't need to go out and raise money. We can fund the company from our, our investments that we have within the company. And last year, we even paid a dividend. Now, how many junior companies, junior mining companies have done that? I'd ask that question. So it's a great opportunity. Excellent chat with anybody who wants to look up our our contact information and find out more about the company well listen man we appreciate you taking some time hope you enjoy talking to us a couple of uh, uh, nonsense merchants that's our that's what we mine every day we're mining nonsense on this program scott nice talking to you Nice to you. Thank you very much. See you, Scott. Take it easy, Scott McLean, the president Mm -hmm. and CEO. See, there's a grown-up. There's a guy doing grown-up work, transition metals. You know, one of the things he said, and I've had conversations with other people in this industry. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Scott. Just let yourself Mm -hmm. out. Okay, Okay, Um, thanks. is, Is how rare it is, you know, when he talked about a one in a thousand shot, like it is... You know, my, my older brother, David, does a lot of work with people in the mining industry. It is a real, 
You know, it's a tough business. I mean, we're, we're great at it here in Canada, companies like his. But it is right. a tough business to get into because of so many different factors. You know, it's like almost taking a new drug to market. You have a one in a thousand chance of invest of your investment in a mine somewhere in this world paying off. Yeah, I know. It's complex. Yeah, it's a lot of grown-up stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything left? Because I've got a... I think I'm all good, but I think you've got Bodog left, do you not? Yes. Yes, uh, and then we've got Dan Duran news, for God's sake. Hey, the uh, Maple Leafs, no grit, no guts, no goaltending. They play tonight uh, (laughs) in in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. Uh, Leafs are favorite, actually. Uh, The Jackets pay 180 bucks to win. The over-under, 6.5. Yeah, the Leafs a puck and a half favorite. Um, Bodog, we've been telling you about Bodog. Listen, all the major sports available uh, in Bodog. Uh, go to Bodog and uh, check out their site. All the North American sports are there. Soccer, uh, you know, uh, the international sports, tennis. Well, it doesn't matter. Whatever sport you want under the sun to wager on, available at Bodog. Mm. And again, Maple Leafs tonight, the favorites over the Columbus Blue Jackets. What did you call them? The gutless one? Uh, no guts, no grit, no goaltending. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, it's almost time for their annual bowing out of the first round of the playoffs, so I'm very excited. It's almost that season. Well, it's funny you say that because it's, it's, to to my mind, it's, honestly, this sounds awful, but it's over already. It just is. Because who they were going to meet in the first round of the playoffs, they're all big, strong, heavy teams with good goaltending. Well, so it's over. Hey, man, yeah. don't don't mm-hmm. be too hard on this team. They've only had, you know, 50 years to figure it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, hey, listen, let's not waste any more time because it's, it's time for this. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchorman, comes as for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here, he's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. Dan Duran. That's what I do during that song. I just sing Dan Duran over and over again. <laughs> That's what Dan I do. Dan Duran is Dan Duran. Is Dan Duran. Dan Duran. Do you have the news? All right. I, I forgot that there was an intro. And now here's Dan Duran with the yeah, news. It was, yeah, Lakeside. Lakeside. Live from <laughs> yeah. Lakeside with the Humble and right. Fred News. Okay. I'm out of practice. Every once in a while, we like to cover what men do to their junk on this show. Yes. Today, we're covering a man who somehow managed to insert a battery into his penis. What? Not yeah. one of those little button batteries, but <laughs> yeah. a, a double A battery. Dan once a put a car a. battery in his dinkhole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he not only put a double A battery into his uh, b-hole, he left it there for 24 hours before going to hospital. Yeah. So, so dude, this happened in Iran, I guess. So he went into a hospital, told doctors that the battery was giving him... <laughs> it's like, a uh, reoccurrence of obstructive and irritating ur- urinary uh, symptoms, including uh, uh, decreased urinary force. He also said that it burned every time he 
tried to go pee. Imagine that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, what does that feel like? like? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it must have not have been the first time that he had done this because x-rays showed severe and progressive scarring to his urethra. And doctors wow. there assumed that that scar buildup uh, had uh, maybe triggered the battery's chemicals in some way. <laughs> Did I not read in that story as well that they had to take the battery out through another area? They had to like open up oh. his perineum or something? Oh. Yes, they did. Yeah, and they didn't it's, just pull it out the hole, Fred. They had to bring it in through his uh, down under there or whatever. Yeah. Did they, yeah. All the things going on in the world, that makes news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it getting getting good attention because of the nature of the story. But just really th- think, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's yeah. like, Good distraction. Well, no, I, I mean, yeah, you can see that. Well, then that's all uh, from uh, the Ukraine. In mm. other news, a battery <laughs> is up a man's pee hole in Iran. <laughs> I can't even, uh, like, there must have been, well, it, it must have been a gradual thing, because I can't even imagine, like, the width of a double-A battery is... You know, one yeah, half an inch or so? I don't know. Yeah. I'd have to use a triple-A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you hear my joke about Dan putting a car battery in his dink hole? Yeah, that was a good one. That was a few minutes ago. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's a whole group, a uh, category of people that put things in their pee holes <laughs> for pleasure. I don't think most of us can relate to because I've just come off six weeks of stinging. Mm-hmm. How's that going? Pretty good, actually. So seems to be better now. But I don't know where where does that like you're sitting around, you're thinking, oh, you know, I've tried everything. <laughs> I've tried to <laughs> tried everything else, and then you think, well, I wonder what it would feel like if I put a battery in here. <laughs> <laughs> like well, well, battery's not battery's not entry level. Well, no, I, exactly. It starts with what the top of a pen, <laughs> like do you, or do you just start with your finger? But where does it begin? Where you think I don't, I'm not getting enough pleasure from this thing. I need to up my game a bit. <laughs> what what could I do to make this work? Yeah, I don't know, man. And as I say, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you know what? It's water cooler talk all around the world today. Yeah. Good for him. Mm-hmm. By the way, going back to what you were talking about earlier about Putin, I believe that he has a uh, gymnast uh, that is his lover, perhaps yes. wife. Hmm? Um, he's, got a, some, he's got some side action as well, yeah. I Well, guess. no, he's, he's, he's divorced from his wife. Oh, okay. With two mm-hmm. uh, older kids. And then uh, somewhere along the line, in Switzerland, he stowed away his, uh, yeah, yeah. His, his lover, perhaps wife, with four kids, perhaps, that are his. They say that because he doesn't, he doesn't confirm anything. So, and what about all those shots of him life. sitting at the long table by himself? Like, this is what we're dealing with, people. Well, they say part of that's COVID, but... Uh, like a lot of those leaders, he's become very paranoid. He doesn't trust anyone, yeah. anyone around. Like a him. lot of them, yeah. Great way to live, eh? Yeah. Like just I, I thought you know, all the he's worth billions. Like two hundred billion is what I read. Yeah, he could be in Palm Springs now, just golfing and enjoying yeah. himself. Instead, let's let's figure out ways to destroy the world. It's funny you say that too, mm. because I thought when I read about how much money he was worth, I was like, what do you uh, what do you need? What what needs would you have? What more do you want? Yeah, maybe. And I may be naive, but I mean, I, I thought the world was somewhat happy in that area, wasn't it? Like, I don't know. 
Well, I'll tell you one thing. Who knows? Maybe he's irritated because he's putting batteries in his pee hole. Maybe that's it, Dan. Well, you know, maybe he's just bored. He's got, uh, he's the richest man in the world, probably. Yeah. With all the, the money he's ripped off from everything. Sure. So, you know, like what, what's left now that you've got everything in the world, uh, you needed a you need new toy. Uh, Dan, do you have any other uh, breaking news from Lakeside or are we uh, going to, this is the well, longest show we've ever done. The show's, show's gone long enough. We'll Not another listen, story man. for another day. You know, this is like, this would be like halfway through a Toronto Mike episode. So, <laughs> I mean, I know it's long for us, but that's because we get sidetracked. Um. I listen. I got a story I can save for tomorrow about you know seeing an aging actor on television, and you know, do we relate anymore? Um, also, a story maybe we should bring it up tomorrow. A friend of mine, sort of somebody that you worked with as well, Fred mm-hmm. died when we were away. Yes. Uh, did he, did you work Street. with Lawrence on a Sports Zone? Yes, he did. He did uh, skits. Yeah, skits and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, skits. so we could talk about that tomorrow. Uh, Dan Duran, uh, I know you got to get to your paperwork and your snow sculptures. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much to uh, Tim Daniels, Bill Brio, Scott from uh, Transition Metals. And uh, that's how we do it here on the Humble and Fred Show. And it's, uh, is it nice to be back? Or what does that even mean in this new world of being able to do the show from anywhere? Is anything nice? Is that what you're asking? Well, yeah, no. Is it nice to be, like, you know, the, the, you know the, again, the default, oh, nice to be back. What do you mean it's nice to be back? No. no. I don't think. And then, well, that's the weird thing. We could have done this from anywhere this right, morning. We this morning. We could have done this from Keith. <laughs> no one. Yeah, we should. That's right. You and I. Humble and Fred from the Ukraine. That's, that's another one of those things. For It was always Kiev. I think I, we mentioned this. I said before. this to you the other day. this before. What's this Kiev? Well, because Kiev is how they pronounce it. Well, no, that's how uh, Ukrainians pronounce it. I said Kiev Ukrainians. That's what I meant. They Ukrainians pronounce it Kiev. Well, why and didn't we Russians, care about that years ago? I Russians don't know. Pronounce it Kiev. <laughs> but I brought that up a couple of weeks ago. We've no, been calling it Kiev forever, yeah. and now we're calling it Kiev. I'm trying to say it's more of an ethnic thing. Yes, uh, or it's more the Russians call it Kiev. And so and we're not calling it Kiev anymore. Kiev. Oh, the Russians, the ethnics to complicate yeah. things. Here's another question. So let's say this thing, hopefully, cross your fingers, whatever, ends peacefully. What? Yeah, what is Are that? we supposed to hate the Russians? Yeah. Are we against the Russians now? I don't... Like, I, I, have, I know Russians. They seem fine. Are we not supposed to like oh, Russians no, no, now? No, 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 no. I, I see what you're saying. No, individually, uh, you know, like anything else in life, you have to judge the person for who oh, they yeah, are. I get exactly. it. Like, I'm not happy with the Chinese, like, as a country, and what they do either. But Chinese people, yes, each individual has to be given. <laughs> yes. A, it's like you can yeah. hate the Chinese, but you can love Chinese food. Yes. Like that. Especially egg for young. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Hell, uh, yes, especially that. <laughs> Why don't you list all your favorite Chinese dishes now? Ooh, especially pot stickers. Let me just before we go. This oh, point, we're never going. Why bother, Alex? Alexander Ovechkin of the Washington yes. Capitals, big buddies with with Putin. You know, he actually was an advocate for the for the last takeover. Somehow got into a position where he understood what the president was doing. Um, 
Do you think people in that position have an obligation to step out and say something? Like in this situation, I th- you know, he, this is a guy that he was happy to say was his friend. This is my buddy. He goes to stuff in the summer and to events, and he stands there with the president like uh, they're all chums. Well, your chum is now slaughtering people. What do you got to say, buddy? I don't know. I, I, I don't have an answer for that. Fred. There's also there may be ramifications <laughs> back home. Right? Yeah, he, he well, exactly. You can't say Ovechkin can't say. Great point, Dan. Ovechkin can't say anything. He's got family and friends in Russia who will all be killed. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I've heard a theory on that too that he wouldn't because it's too uh, too high profile. He's too, but 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 again, who knows what who the guy's knows? capable of? Who who knows no. what he's capable of? Well, I'll tell you one thing. It's time for us to wrap this thing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Duran, thank you for your service today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember if I play the commercial after Dan Duran. Do I do it after Dan Duran? I think I do. Is that what I've been doing? Whenever you want to do. You played it before, I think. Before I did play it before you? Well, yeah, in the past. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. I'll play it now then. It's the end of the show. Is the Hang end on. Of the during your commute again. Hang on. Find Here comes Dan Duran. Work second. instead of working from home. Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard. <sighs> You know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. All right. Thanks to everyone. And this episode. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, sorry, you, sorry you, you go ahead now. All right. Okay. Here we go. You done? I don't know. Okay. <sighs> This episode of Hummel and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Canna Cabana, and GoDaddy. For Hummel and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. The show is now over. Please take your containers with you and exit <laughs> at the rear. Exit from your rear. Destination, a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that?